It's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Welcome, everybody, and to our brand new, well, not so brand new, episode two of our new Lost podcast. We have to go back, Lost Revisited, uh, from the Next Level Podcast Network, I'm Ben Beck. And from the Podcastica Network, I'm Kristen Howell. And yeah, we're going to be, we're still working out the kinks. It's only episode two, so we're allowed to do that, I think. I think so. Yeah. And you know what? If at episode 50, we're still working out the kinks, then that's fine, too. Hey, the writers <laughs> of Lost were still doing it by episode 50. I, I would go so far as to say they were still working it out for the finale. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's a really good point. As a matter of fact. I'd say so by the finale of this podcast, um, if it will still, be perfect. <laughs> well, the finale wasn't perfect. It, was, it damn, was perfect. It was good. It was really good. I know that's a big point of contention, but we'll get to that in about like a <coughs> hundred episodes. <laughs> it's it's a long way off from there. Um, we'll be fine. Yeah, but no special guest this week. I know last week we had uh, Jason from po- the founder of Podcastica on with us. Nobody on this week, just you and I, which is I think going to be fun. I think it'll be just fine because we are amazing. So it'll be fine. <laughs> and and some people, some of our listeners have already heard conversations with us. Um, we deem some of them the great Ready Player One debate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do like a separate addendum where we'll relive that. We we should find the audio for that and just just take out that little 20 minute tirade. <laughs> it's out there. I know it is. (laughs) It's out there somewhere. Uh, But just a quick word about the podcast, giving you a rundown of the format before we get started. Uh, This is a spoiler-full podcast, just so you are aware. We will be talking about things that happen in the future of Lost as we go through and talking about the progression and as we watch the episodes. So we are only talking about episodes three and four of the first season in this one, but I'm sure we might make points to future episodes. Yeah, and I think that that'll probably come up a little bit more as as the show progresses. I mean, right now, we're still um, getting introductions to the characters, and there's not really a lot of, you know, back and forth, I think, uh, big, big picture things that we can take from the beginning. But, you know, there's small little tidbits. I don't, but I don't foresee a lot of spoilers in these first few episodes. No, not, not necessarily. I mean, we're still at a point where the where the episode where the characters are still being developed and yes there's a lot we know about these characters already going back and watching but mm. um yeah there might not be too much that we're going into you're right i think it's going to be as we progress further into the podcast you heard it here i am right <laughs> well i didn't exactly i am right on say. all things okay let's move on <laughs> all right moving on <laughs> Um, podcasts will be released on the 1st and 15th of every month. This one coming out, you'll be hearing this one June 15th, obviously. So if you're hearing it now, uh, it's June 15th. Payday. Uh, Well, for some people, the 1st and 15th of every month. It's also Friday. Payday. It's true. (laughs) Um, and hopefully throughout the course of this, we will be giving you some bonus episodes where we'll be talking to some of the cast of the show, which I've already begun working on. So we'll see. Uh, how well Josh Holloway is is available. Oh, he'll be available. Because <laughs> I know that's who you want probably more than anybody. Yeah. Because of yeah. Kawani. 
Yeah. But I'm just going to be silent and trying not to pass out. <laughs> That'll be fun. Kristen, were you there? Yeah, I was there. I didn't kind hear of. a word. I just kind heard of. a lot of heavy breathing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but, I was just, they were just trying to resuscitate me. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> But we're going to each episode of this podcast, we're going to cover two episodes of Lost. This episode, we're going to be covering episodes three and four of the first season, episode three, Tabula Raza, and episode four, Walkabout. We'll be giving our top three points uh, as we go through. Um, and rather than do like a top three from every episode, uh, it was easier last week because both episodes were still part of the pilot. Yeah. So uh, I think this time what we're going to do is we're just going to do our top three. And as we go through, we'll just name which of the two episodes it comes from. Uh, and we'll discuss as we go on. Sounds good to me. Uh, so let's let's jump into the episode, shall we? Yes, sir. And, and jump into our top three. Uh, first things first, what I want to do is I want to give the the title of the episode and just read over the synopsis of what the episode was and then we'll go into our top three sounds good season one episode three was tabula raza jack and hurley discover an alarming secret about kate while the marshal's life hangs in the balance and episode four season one walkabout when the survivors run out of food Locke, kate and michael go out hunting for boar michael gets injured so he and kate go back <laughs> we have to go back but Locke stays out <laughs> hunting and ends up running into the creature living in the jungle uh so let's go and and dive right into our top three uh starting with our number three uh Kristen, what would be your number three from these two episodes uh my number three is um <clears throat> it's just seeing the beginning of hurley and charlie um that happened in episode four walkabout um so i just they are probably one of my favorite I don't know what you would say relationships of, of the whole of the whole show and um I just I like seeing them kind of they're they're they were trying to fish Charlie had decided hey I'm gonna get a fish for Shannon because Shannon thinks that I'm hot okay <laughs> yeah and you know they're both trying Right. And they're both sitting there trying to stab this fish in the ocean and they just can't do it. And I remember I was sitting on the couch and writing notes and I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I love these two. And I love to see the beginning because I know that it's going to be like they're going to just be these best friends. And, you know, they create that golf course later and, you know, they get the van started in another one. And oh, it's God, just that, that van episode is one of my favorites. Yeah. It but really I mean, is. it's what's cool is that you just from this point on, there's very little of Charlie that you see without Hurley and, and vice versa. And um, they're just a nice light point of the show. Their friendship kind of means a lot to to each other's characters. Um, so it was nice to see the beginning of that. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And I think that's they their friendship adds a lot of lighter elements to a show that definitely gets really dark at times. Mm -hmm. And it's great seeing the beginning of something that as viewers, you know, watching the progression of the show, we know is one of our favorite parts of, of the series. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's great going back and seeing the origin of that and seeing where it started. Everybody loves a good origin story. Yes. Um, and I, you know what, I, I think that Charlie wouldn't have become such a likable character without Hurley. I mean, he had a really great arc with Claire and he grew up a lot, um, in his relationship with Claire, but I think Hurley kind of grounded him and made him so that he, he didn't have to be such a dark character. I mean, as a heroin addict who, you know, goes through his own struggles throughout, um, the course of the show, you know, his character could have kind of right turned off somewhere else. And, and it does a couple of times, but I think Hurley kind of becomes some kind of uh, grounding element for, for Charlie. And, and I really appreciate that. So. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Uh, my top, my, yeah, you. yeah, my three, my number three, um, of the episode is, it is also kind of an origin in that, and this is from Tabula Raza, this is from episode three, in that we're we're seeing the beginning of something else that, again, is kind of very prevalent throughout the run of that series, and that is we're seeing the beginning of of John, of um Jack's hero complex. Oh, that's one of that's yep. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing, you know, we know that this is something that is again through the run of the through the run of the series, Jack feels that he can save everybody, he can rescue everybody, and it starts with the marshal. Uh, you know, they're survivors on an island with very little resources, and he is using all the medication that they can find to try and keep this marshal alive. And and believe it or not, one of the biggest voices of reason is Sawyer in this. In that, like, what are you using all of this for? And it's, you know, it's one of the things that kind of helps him to realize that he's not going to be able to save this marshal's life. But he still continues to try. And, uh, yeah. you know, Jack's hero complex is something that, um, while good at times, because it does save some people's lives, uh, it, it's kind of a self-destructive mechanism for Jack. That's that's funny that you say that because uh, Jack and Sawyer were um, my number two. Um, but w- with what what you were saying with with Jack and his hero complex and using all the medication, you know, he was trained to be that way, you know, to to use all means necessary so that, you know, a doctor can always say we did everything that we could. Yeah. And I think that that also has something to do with it. You know, he. I don't think that he's ever wanted for anything his entire life, you know, and, um, and the voice of reason, when you say Sawyer, you know, he, he is somebody that is the exact opposite. So it's, it's interesting that you bring up that dynamic because, uh, that is one of the biggest kind of issues in the first season is these two characters that, that can't seem to (laughs) come together on anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's he's he and Sawyer's just one of a few characters throughout the run of this first season that kind of butt heads butts heads with Jack. Uh, we're gonna see more of that as the series progresses. I know we got a little bit of a back history of one of the characters in Walkabout, that being Locke, because mm-hmm. um, Locke is another one who, like Sawyer, really just does not see eye to eye with Jack at min- during many times. Yeah, and all three of them have a completely different path and and each of them you know I, I i don't know i think jack is a big stone in in both of jack or in both um sawyer and Locke's path and then you know Locke and sawyer are big stones in in jack's path so that's interesting yeah and, and it's almost like um you know we mentioned in the first episode the whole man of science man of faith kind of thing mm-hmm. and it seems like those are the two sides, and there was even the mention uh, in the pilot of w- with Locke with the stone. You know, one side is light, one side is dark, and he's talking about the rocks from the game, from the game of backgammon. And he, you know, that is Jack and Locke. You know, Jack is the man of science, Locke is the man of faith, and it's almost like Sawyer kind of rides that line. He's, I guess, in Dungeons and Dragons terms, he's chaotic neutral. He's going to go with whatever side he feels helps himself and that's where him and Jack kind of butt heads at times. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I agree. That's interesting. Um, Jack's hero complex. I, I, I like that. Cause I was trying, I was trying to just kind of put my finger on what was bugging me about him in the first <laughs> couple of episodes. Cause I, I love that character overall. I love Jack, but maybe it's because it's been a while. Maybe it's because I've grown up, quite a bit since watching the last, you know, your twenties versus your thirties or forties or whatever. Right. And, um, and I'm just like, why is he bothering me this time around? Like why? (laughs) And I think that's why I think it's just because it's the arrogance of him, um, that he can, that, that he can save this, this guy. I forget his name. What was the, what was the marshal's name? Do we ever learn? Uh, the marshal's name. Oh, um, I don't, uh, Mars, Edward Mars. Okay. So, you know, he thinks that he can save Mars and he's using all of the resources. And it's just interesting because, you know, as somebody who has taken leadership of this group of people, you would think that maybe he would have like this bigger picture mentality, but he doesn't, he's, he's, he compartmentalizes everything and, and so it's fun to see how how he broadens his horizons a little bit as the season goes on. Yeah. Not to mention the fact, too, that you you mentioned 
uh, Jack being somebody that kind of there's something about him that kind of bothers you a little bit now going back and rewatching these episodes and that's because you know, throughout the course of this there are many characters where their arcs are huge they, they become a totally different person by the end of this right. series and Jack is definitely one of them Jack is a completely different person by the end of this I would say I would I would venture to say that all of them are yeah yeah, uh, yeah, a majority of the characters. I are. would say the only one that stays completely the same at his core is Saeed. Uh yeah, even though no, I I I kind of disagree with that a little bit too because there's there's a moment in this series where something happens uh that I think kind of sets Saeed off a little bit. So maybe he changes for a little while and still by the end is still the same person that you know from the beginning of the show, but there is a period of time where he kind of changes. For well, a while. yeah, I and I understand that, but I'm just saying from beginning to end, I think that that he stayed steadfast in who he was, what his abilities were. He was caring from the beginning, he was resourceful from the beginning. He um, he had the big, a big picture mentality from the beginning. I, I just, th- there's, I, I love Saeed, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. There's, there's not a lot that I can say that's negative about him. And it's so funny too, that Devin Andrews isn't, uh, he, he's not Arab or anything. He's, he's, uh, he's French or that's English. Fine. English. I don't remember which one he is. He's one of them. He's, he's, he's from Europe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, uh, he's English. He's English. He's from the UK. Okay. I just double checked. Not that that matters anything at all to, to this podcast, <laughs> but it's good to know if we ever have him on, he's going to have a different accent than Saeed. Oh, and I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so was that your number two as well, or do you have something separate for a number two? Yeah. So my number two was just Jack versus Sawyer. Um, and it's, it's so funny because they are complete opposites. And, you know, when I first watched this show, I was always team Jack. I was just like, no, you know what? Jack's always right. Jack's the best. He knows what he's doing. He's a doctor. He's leader. He's wears his backpack really well. He's always, he's always, um, <laughs> uh, prepared, you know? Um, but you know, now, I mean, I've watched it, you know, a couple of times over the years and, and this time I'm watching it with some pretty fresh eyes. I mean, I haven't watched it, um, in a number of years. Right. And I'm just finding that Sawyer's, um, kind of realism that he's a realist, he's very pragmatic. He hides it under all this anger and bravado. Um, but you can see, I mean, you can see that, he does kind of know what he's saying. He he's got some street smarts about him. Um, you know, he's, he's very, very selfish, you know, the way that he's looting the plane, looking for stuff for himself around dead bodies. And, you know, he lifts all the wallets off of, um, off of the dead bodies and he gives it to Claire later, um, you know, for the memorial service after he's, you know, taken out all the cash and stuff like that. Yeah. But it shows what it shows is that, you know, while he is selfish in nature, he still has some kind of soft, gooey part about him because he took the time to go to Claire and say, here are the names of these people, you know? Yeah. And that that says a lot about early Sawyer and kind of who he is. He he had the 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 thought that I'm going to just put this guy out of his misery. I'm going to shoot him in the chest because Sawyer couldn't bring himself to shoot him in the head. I mean, if he was as savage um, and kind of murdery as as people on the island first thought he was, he would have just shot that guy right through the head. No problem. Yeah. You know, but he, he tried to spare him and he, you know, spare himself a little bit um, and shoot him in the chest. And that screwed everything up, of course. But, you know, there's a lot about Sawyer that I, I believe that it's kind of reversed, completely opposite. Jack acts like he's got this real softness about him and that he really cares, but he's very selfish, as you say, with his hero complex. He wants to be the one to fix it. He wants to be the guy, right? And Sawyer, Sawyer walks around, you know, shoving people to the side and calling them offensive nicknames and looting the plane. And But he's handing over... Um, wallets for a memorial service and he's shooting this guy to put him out of his misery and also to save 
whatever medication they can uh, for the long run because Jack is just, you know, well, I'm going to give him more of this and more of that. And who cares? We have to save one life. Um, you know, so, so, so I like that. I, and, and I never noticed that before. I never noticed how completely opposite these two characters were and how much more I appreciate Sawyer this time around. It's not because it's Josh, Josh Holloway. All right. I, I just know want that. everybody I to know, know that, that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, I genuinely feel that about Sawyer. So. Yeah, and it's it's even interesting too that you bring up the whole shooting of the chest over shooting of the head and the savagery of that and con and how he doesn't do that. In that, you're absolutely right because this is something. And now, upon multiple viewings of this series and going back and rewatching, now we can see this clearly, knowing you know the future of these characters and and who they become. But upon a first viewing of this, that's something that you really don't think about. You you really just put together that okay. Sawyer was the one that put this guy to an end. You don't think about the shooting of the chest opposed to the head and and such. But at the time, you know, during your first viewing of this, at least for myself, and I don't know if this is similar, this was similar for you. Upon these first couple episodes, we're only at episode three at this mm-hmm. point in the conversation. We're only three episodes into the series. At least for me, I kind of viewed Jack as the main character. He was right. the character and everybody else was supporting cast. Right. Uh, you know, and we saw Sawyer as a criminal. We saw Kate as maybe somebody who was a, who we knew was a criminal, but maybe was innocent because we didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Hurley and Charlie were these happy-go-lucky guys, but as far as you know, Jack and Sawyer, <clears throat> Jack was the main character. Everything he did was right, as you had mentioned. So mm-hmm. he was he was in the right no matter what. And Sawyer was just this guy who was against him because he was a criminal. Mm-hmm. And throughout the run of the series, we learn how much that is definitely not the truth. Mm-hmm. There's so much more. And that's one of the brilliance of the writing. Of the, that's more to the brilliance of the writing of the series is that there is so much more going into the depth of these characters mm-hmm. that it was so much fun going into and discovering. Well, yeah. And that's, um, that's actually what I thought, what, what, what I said in, Uh, our last episode is that these characters were already, they already seemed fully fleshed out because you could watch the first few episodes and you can see that those characters were already the way that they had, you know, intended them to be. Um, You know, these characters already had their rich backstories. And I think that that really helped propel them forward. Yeah. Later. So sure. Yeah. As it was, as what their backstory was revealed. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, the way the show is formatted, and this is actually going to part of my my number one, so I'll I'll save a little bit of it. <coughs> Excuse me, but you're right. As the show progresses and more of the backstory is revealed, the writers already had all of this planned and who these people were and what was really going on behind the scenes. Correct. So, um, so what was your number two? My number two is actually I have it written down as the mis- as the lock mystery, uh, because and this is going into episode four walkabout, which is the lock centric episode. In that there is a lot going on with lock, and this is one of the big reveals of the epi- of the series is finding out that this guy <clears throat> who's a complete mystery seems to help people when he can by, you know, hunting boar, he's carrying knives, he creates a dog whistle so that he can bring So uh, amazing. Yeah. I and I have a note about like, you know, lock seeing uh um lock creating the whistle. Um to bring back um oh what's the dog's name? Vincent. Vincent, that's it, yes. Vincent, Vincent uh, the God, the name is said so many times in that episode. You'd think I Coral, Coral. <laughs> it is, it's the Coral of the series. Coral, Vincent, Coral. <laughs> but there's so much that happens in this that the big reveal at the end it, that builds up that reveal at the end to be so much more surprising. You know, we see, you know, Locke is hunting the boar for everybody. He comes back carrying a boar on his back and he's, he's got a box of knives that he had on the plane. He's, he at one point sees the monster. You know, he's face to face with the monster and walks away to tell the tale, which is a huge foreshadowing. Oh, I know. And I <laughs> forgot about that. Honestly, like I said, st- I, I, I 
sat up in my couch. I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he just stares at it. He doesn't run. He doesn't get scared. He just stares at it like, come at me, bro. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, you're right. I mean, it's a huge foreshadowing to the future of this series. Uh, but it it doesn't – it's still not as big as the moment at the end of the episode where we find out. Locke is paralyzed. He is in a wheelchair. He cannot walk. Mm-hmm. And I just remember when that episode ended, that was truly – now, I mean, seeing the monster in the trees and the tree shake and everything, that was a cool moment as a viewer watching this for the first time because you sit there and you'd be like, okay, what the hell is going on? But by the end of this episode, by the end of episode four, watching as a first-time viewer, this is the the first time I can remember of many moments throughout the run of the series that when that show ended, I was like, um, holy shit, what the hell? Like, this was my first big holy shit moment of the series. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that that, yeah, you're <laughs> correct. <laughs> Definitely. So, and it, and it only added more fuel to that fire that Locke was becoming one of my favorite characters of the series. Already, I was a fan of his character. And, you know, it, it this was just something that added to that mystery that I wanted to know more about this character. He, uh, you know what, they, they, they weave such a great story and walk about with, um, with everything that, you know, he's preparing for and, and he's clearly somebody who, you know, he likes his strategic board games and, you know, he, he's got this Helen that he talks to and, uh, you know, it, it, it's like, you see this, you see very two, two very different locks, uh, in this episode, you see, you know, flashback lock where he seems like he's kind of got, I don't know. I, I I don't know what the right term is, but I mean, he's got this boss that's half his age and a dick. Yeah. And, you know, then he's got um, and, and then you turn around and he's sitting there making a dog whistle and he's handing over the hero card to to Michael or, you know, he's going out and facing a smoke monster. He's like, I'm going to go and do this and don't tell me what I can't do. And oh, God, don't tell me what I can't do. I love that line. I think that that's just so lock, you and know, it's the second of our, of our, uh, you know, most famous lines from of quotable lines from the series. The first one was the guys, where are we from the pilot? And now we got the, don't tell me what I can't do. And funny enough, it's so weird. Cause it, we're in the midst of E3 right now, uh, which is the big video game convention. And I was watching the Sony presentation. Trust me, there's a meaning to this. Uh, I, one of the videos popped up on screen and it said pre-order now. And, and then it, the lights came up and the camera was moving through the audience. And as the camera was moving through the audience you could hear somebody in the crowd say don't tell me what i can't do nah. <laughs> so the guy obviously was somebody who watched lost uh but was just quoting a line from the series during e3 so again we got probably the second of many quotable lines from the series yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no, that's okay. I like that. I like that story. <laughs> I wasn't really saying much anyways. I mean, I was just, you know, it's it's just really cool to see Locke as two different people already. Yeah. How's no, that? No, for sure. I, I agree with you completely. Uh, so let's get to our number ones. Well, okay. So my number one was we've kind of touched on it a little bit and I think that it might be like kind of your number one as well. I don't know. Cause, cause you said something earlier, but whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> so my number one is just the character development through flashbacks. Um, I love that every single episode we get to learn about another character and you know, this, these two episodes, we got Kate and we got Locke and, <clears throat> Kate, at this point, for a first-time viewer, is still really mysterious. What did she do? And we don't even get to know what she did until way later. Yeah. But um, she's clearly on the run, and but you know, there's a kindness to her. There's a softness to her. Um, you know, she she risks her own capture to save the guy that turns her in. Um, you know, when the plane goes down, she she puts on um 
she puts the, the, the mask thing on, um, on Mars, on, on, on the U S Marshall. Right. I mean, she does a, a couple of things that even with these people that are trying to hurt her or that are using her for their own gain, she's still trying to help them. Right. And I think that that says a lot about Kate. And I love that we get to learn that in these small moments as we learn about her backstory and how she got to the plane. Right. Yeah. Um, and with Locke, you know, his story is a little different because it unravels a little bit differently because of his disability, because we learn later and we learn that he's only been like that for four years. So there's something now that we know has happened to him four years ago that paralyzed him. Yeah. And that and the, the show did a great job of screwing with the audience throughout the run because it's still a long ways off before you find out how he got paralyzed. Oh, what a story that is. And they set up moments where you think it might happen, you know, like, oh, we're going to find out like this is how he got, this is how he got paralyzed. And then by the end of the episode, damn it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's crazy. Um, You know, so I, I really, really love that that the writers that the show takes their time in this first in first season to just say, okay, in, in these flashbacks, you know, we're here's what's going on the island, but we're also going to take you on this journey for this one character and devote all of our time to this one character. And it's such an interesting way to play with time. It's not two timelines converging on another. It's not, you know, puzzles and big questions and gimmicks and whatever. It's just like a straightforward story with kind of how every, and, but you get to learn about specific characters along the way in a more condensed form. And I love that. Um, I feel like I know Kate and Locke better. I feel like I know Jack a little bit better. Um, even Charlie, who we only got a small little tidbit of with, you know, his, we know he's a heroin addict. Yeah. Right. Um, which, by the way, oh my gosh! I mean, was he not just like walking around like a dirty, dirty heroin addict? Well, and he he was, and again, that that goes back to my point of what we our initial first thoughts on these characters, um, because Charlie, that's that's pretty much what we saw Charlie as. I mean, we saw him as this happy go lucky guy, but we knew he had a problem. Yeah, but like the way that his his clothes look greasy, he looks greasy. I mean, they all have been through a crash, but he looks like like the homeless guy that got involved in the crash somehow that, you know, emerged from under a bridge. I mean, his clothes are just hanging on him. And I I just it's very, very, very gross. I I think at that time, the writers were just trying to push forward the point that this is a guy who is definitely on hard times. No, no. This is an accurate portrayal. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is a very, very accurate portrayal of, of, but it's just interesting because he just like, he stands out to me as, as this, this drug addict that, you know, I guess he's hiding amongst PTSD stricken survivors. But, but his drugs are his way of coping because he's got, he's similar. He's got the, the PTSD survivor syndrome just like everybody else but he's got his coping mechanism but which is something that unfortunately has helped him cope with life even before the crash okay (laughs) do you not see it that way or do you see oh i don't think i I think that if you are addicted to heroin you're not coping with anything that's a good point (laughs) That, that, that is a fair that is a fair point um, yeah, but so that's my number one is just how much I love the character development and and learning about Kate and Locke um, in these two episodes. Yeah, and 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 you're right. That is very similar to mine. Uh, you know, going back real quick to what you said about Kate and how she, you know, she was helping. Um, you know, she worked for the guy that she was staying with, and you know, she put the mask on the marshal before the plane crashed. It goes back to my point of one of the first initial reactions we had of Kate was, yes, we know she's a criminal because she was arrested, but we think there's a little bit of an innocence to her. Mm-hmm. Because she's still trying to help people at the same time. She's not – she might be a criminal, but she's not ruthless. So whatever she did, maybe she's wrongfully accused and on the run or it's not as serious as we think it is. Although she's being escorted on a plane by a U.S. marshal, so it's probably pretty bad. I'm being told that she's extremely dangerous. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you're right. <clears throat> Your number one is very similar to mine, but I'm going to take it up another notch and um, put it to – because I do have – you know, this is <clears> – <throat> excuse me, the first – of the backstories that we're getting. You know, the pilot was pretty much setting the, setting the environment that these guys are in. And then in Tabula Raza, we're getting the first of a character backstory. We're getting the first backstory of Kate. Uh, mm-hmm. we're getting the first backstory of Locke in, uh, in Walkabout. But in essence to that, Tabula Raza is very important to the series because this is this, this is the episode that sets the format for Lost at least throughout the course of the next couple seasons, because the format changes twice throughout the run of this. Um, you know, it adapts two times from its original format. You know, we're seeing flashbacks throughout the run of maybe the first three or four seasons. And then season five, we're getting flash forwards. Season six, we're getting flash sideways. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, again, flash sideways, we'll get into later. As we get closer. But Tabula Raza is very important to the series because, again, it's setting up the format of Lost. It's going to be an episode focusing on one character with flashbacks of that character and, you know, setting up more and giving us more and more elements of their backstory. And my question to you is, now that all of our our numbers are out there, do you think there's any importance to the fact that the show started off with Kate? Because, again, you know, I, my first initial impression watching this show is that Jack is the main character. These are supporting cast. And we actually don't get a Jack flashback story for a, for quite a few episodes, I don't believe. Um, No, it's White Rabbit is next. Okay, so and that's the Jack. Mm-hmm. That's the first of Jack. But yeah. we're getting two so, flashbacks before Jack. So, yeah. Um, hmm. Well, okay. So I think Kate's Kate's episode, Kate's flashback is particularly important because Tabula Rasa, um, I don't know who knows that, who knows this, but it means blank slate. Um, so to me, it's, you know, when Jack at the end of Tabula Rasa says to Kate, I don't need to know what you did. Everybody here died three days ago, and now we all get to start over. So to me, it's everybody gets a blank slate. Everybody's starting over from that moment on. So we had the plane crash. We had the fallout from the plane crash. Um, and now things have, this is like the first time things have kind of died down enough that Jack and Kate can have a conversation. And Jack comes to the realization that, you know what? It doesn't matter who any of us are. We're going to be here for a while. He, I think this is the episode. It was a couple days since I've seen the episode. I, I think this is the episode where he learns about the French woman and it being 16 years. Um, I know. I think you're right. Yeah. So yeah. he's learned, okay, we're going to be here for a while. Well, there's a, yeah, he's not that we're going to be here for a while, but there's a chance we most likely will be here for a while. Right. Exactly. So to him, he's like, I don't, we don't need to know this information. All we need to know is what we know right now. And I think that, as much as the format of how the show is being written and executed, I think that right there by using Kate's story um, of, do you want to know what I did? Um, that sets the tone for the rest of, of the story as well. In the fact that this may be where they've come from, but on the Island, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like who you are is something completely <clears throat> different. And then it's expanded on with Locke's story. Locke was paralyzed. Locke was paralyzed in a horrible job with a sex phone girlfriend. And now he's like crocodile Dundee tromping <laughs> through the forest. I mean, it's amazing, right? That's another, this is a blank slate. This is a guy that gets his start over. He gets his walkabout. He gets to fulfill his destiny. He goes face to face with a smoke monster and comes out of the forest like a freaking hero, you know? <laughs> so I think it's great that they start with these two characters because I think that these two characters bring forth the overall tone of the show. Well, not only that, but I mean, you mentioned the fact that it's blank slate, and I'm glad you brought that up because honestly, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that's what Tabula Raza meant. Hey, <laughs> but <laughs> bring in the info. But there's <laughs> there's even a point in this in that episode where <clears throat> Kate approaches Jack and says, "I want to tell you what I did." Yeah, and Jack says, "I I don't want to know. I don't need to know. We're don't new, care exactly. We're, we're new people now. Like we're we're all." 
different people. What happened before doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, when <clears throat> that's obviously not true. Because He's like, except are, me, because I'm a doctor. Exactly. I'm the hero. <laughs> I mean, that's all that matters. Right. But you're right. He He says to Kate, and I think now that I think about it, I think that's actually why they started with Kate. And it's probably more, it's not necessarily telling her backstory. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's they they built her backstory for that moment in particular <clears throat> mm-hmm. so that Jack and Kate could have that conversation in which Jack tells her it doesn't matter what you did I, nothing matters except now whatever mm-hmm. happened in the past doesn't matter so yeah i agree yeah but that that's um that's my number 1 is the format and yeah now you know going and start and talking about uh starting with Kate and Locke. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought up that the fact that the, uh, the next episode is White Rabbit, because we talk about key lines and famous lines from this show. One there of my is favorites a, is coming up. Oh, God, there is a big speech that happens in White Rabbit <laughs> that the last line of that speech, is, again, is another famous that moment before from we the started, But before we started recording, I completely <laughs> screwed up. <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, you know what? I do want to say uh, one thing about um, a really lovely quote from because we haven't talked about um, a couple of plot points. But, um, you know, Saeed, who I just think is wonderful, but he says hope is a very dangerous thing to lose mm-hmm. um, at the top of Tabula Rasa. And um, and I and I love that he wants to keep hope alive on the beach, no matter what happens in the forest, he wants to keep, or the jungle, whatever it is, uh, he wants to keep hope alive and he comes back and he assigns people, you know, jobs and things to do. Okay. You're on water. You're on this, you're on that. And I think that that's really important. Um, I, I think that it, it's great that, you know, they're building this pyre at the end, um, that they're only going to set on fires in the hopes that somebody sees it. Right. So they they find small pockets uh, of time to inject a little hope um, because they are in a hopeless situation. Yes. So. Well, they're they feel like it's yeah, that it's it's most likely a hopeless situation. So you're right. That is that is pretty important with see that Saeed would see things and he that he's the one that sees things that way too. Cause again, he's another character that at this point is a complete mystery. All we know about him is that he was uh, a soldier in the, you know, in the Republic. And that's. The Republican the, guard, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> that scares the hell out of Hurley. Hurley's like, cool, man. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Anybody that watches Brooklyn nine, nine, cool, 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 cool. Well, cool, cool, I was, cool. I was thinking Abed from community. Ah, okay. Abed does that too. Um, yeah, the only other notes that I have uh, on these two episodes, they both actually come from Walkabout, and that is, there's another mystery set up in Walkabout, is that we see the man in the suit standing on the hill, which we get a little bit more about in the white in uh, the next episode, White Rabbit. But, you know, Jack is seeing just some man in a suit standing on, standing on a dune, and you have no idea who this man is. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. Um, so did you notice, and I can't remember if they did this at the end of the pilot. They probably didn't, but I, I, I'm going to check to see if they continue to do this as, as the episodes go on. But at the end of Tabula Raza, um, they focus in on Locke, uh, looking on as, um, as Walt and Michael are reuniting with Vincent and everybody's having like a little fish fry or something and or boar fry. I don't know, but they, they close in on Locke. And then the next episode, Walkabout, is the lock episode. And then uh, the man in the suit. Are, can, can can we say who it is? <laughs> um, no, let's wait until next episode. Because okay, so the I, man in the suit yeah. shows up, right? And it zeroes in uh, on on Jack. And, and it kind of zeroes in on, on his face. And as we know, the next episode is going to be a flashback for Jack. And so to me, it's like, are they're, they're almost leading us in to who we're going to learn about next. 
Ooh, I never noticed that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. So I'm going to see if at the end of White Rabbit that it happens again. And if it does, that would be super cool. If at the end of White (laughs) Rabbit, the the close-up is on Sun or Jin, then then you're on to something. Yeah. Because House of the Rising Sun is the is the sixth episode, right. and that's the the Sun and Jin backstory. So I I picked up on that. I was really excited about it, and I didn't write it down until you started talking. I was like, Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought it up because I ne- that's something I never really picked up on either. Um, and it's something too. It, it brings another point that I didn't that I didn't write down. In that I think. You know, it goes back to what we started with with the pilot, how the series is bookended with, you know, Jack's the close up of Jack's eyes opening, opening and, this, and the closing. series is closing. Mm-hmm. But I know there are a number of episodes, at least throughout the course of the first season, that open on somebody's eye. Because isn't it in Walkabout, doesn't the series open on Locke and his eye? I think you're right. Yeah. So well, we think- should do an eye count. Oh yeah, that we're making a note of that. Okay, I count. <laughs> I count. Yay! <laughs> uh, but the other note I wanted to bring up, and it's something I I more brought it up because I wanted to get your opinion on this, and this might be difficult to do because you know again we're looking at this series as two people who have rewatched this series a number of times, so we know how these characters develop, we know who they become, mm-hmm. but try to remember back when you answer this question. When you first saw these episodes for the first time, mm-hmm. what was your initial impression of Rose? Because Rose is somebody who at this point, she's dead set that her husband is still alive. Oh, I believed her. You believed her at the time. I believed okay. her. Oh, hook, line, and sinker. I think there are some things that people just know. And if you're with your soulmate, then you're going to feel it. Yes, absolutely. I believed her, 100%. But you know, I've always been a romantic. I I have been too, but I think even myself at this point, I was thinking, like, I didn't think her crazy, but I felt bad for her because I felt like this is a person who has been through some serious trauma and she's a little delusional. And it's not until a little bit later in the series where you realize, wait a minute, she might be on to something. So, yeah, so I think I, even though I'm, I'm a bit of a romantic too, I still maybe thought that there was a, a, a little bit of a drama here and it made me feel bad for the character. Yeah, that was a big um, topic of discussion in my house when, when that was going on. Is Rose right? Is Rose wrong? Is Bernard dead? Or is he alive? Um, <laughs> Bernard talk then and now. Um, sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> So Westworld uh, reference. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah, um, I did believe her though. And I, it could just be the idealist in me, the romantic in me, but yeah. Now, did you think at the time that Bernard was just somewhere on the island alone trying to make his way back because he just survived that end? Or did you know you what? Uh, yeah, I didn't survivors? know. There, there was a point in me that I was like, he could wash up ashore for all we know. Maybe he built a little plane raft. I don't know. But yeah. he's alive. If Rose says that he's alive, he's alive. <laughs> okay. You didn't yeah, know but, in what capacity. Like, you correct. didn't know there was all these tail end survivors. Right. You just knew that she was right and he was alive. Right. Okay. Okay. I, that's why I was asking. I was curious of your opinion on that. Yeah. That, yeah. So. Definitely. Any other notes from these two episodes that you wanted to bring up before we move on to some listener feedback? Uh, no. Okay. I think, how about you? No, that was pretty much it. Like just cool, man. The, the whole rose thing and the man in the suit. So, uh, all right, let's jump into some listener feedback then before we start to wrap things up. Only two to go through this week. Uh, one is a voicemail from our buddy Steve. So we're going to play that for you now. Hi, Chris and Ben. It's Steve uh, from Oklahoma City and uh, calling about uh, or talking about Tabula Rasa and Walkabout. I hope this is not too long. Um, I noticed that Tabula Rasa did not start with an eye opening, and it just shows my faulty memory because I thought all the season one eps started with uh, the, the, an opening eye. Um, and... Uh, I think it was Jack saying at the end of the episode that they're they're all dead and starting a new life. I think that's what prompted me to think that they were all dead through the whole 
thing. So thanks to Ben for correcting me on that a while back. Um, I had forgotten that Saeed actually kind of took the role of leader in this episode. And then when we transfer to Walkabout, it's Jack, everybody going to Jack as a leader. So I think that's interesting to note that they never really showed us how that transition happened or if there was anything that caused it. It just, it just happened to be because he was a doctor or something. But, you know, Saeed's trying to organize groups to do different things, collecting water and building a shelter, things like that in Tabula Rasa. And then Walkabout, it's it's all Jack. Uh, and you barely see Saeed except he's working on the, the radio. Um and I, uh, I didn't, I didn't watch the show as critically as as I watch shows now. So I felt kind of stupid watching Walkabout because and not realizing that uh, Locke was paralyzed because all of the hints throughout the whole episode and even the first four episodes show us that somebody uh, is has been paralyzed because they kept showing that wheelchair and then he kept looking at his legs and it just it, it real I really realized how uh, how dense I was originally watching it um loved uh, michael's uh, quit giving us the steel sign uh, and then um in that episode and um i think that's it um really uh enjoying the the rewatch and uh, can't wait to hear you guys thoughts on this one uh, talk to you later bye oh thanks steve that's funny that he caught on to the eye yeah, it's 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 funny because you know we had mentioned how, that how the eye plays a big part of you know walkabout opens you know with Locke's eye and yeah he makes a good point that Tabula Rasa didn't open it didn't open with Kate's eye Mm-mm. so yeah it's it, it's it's interesting that he brought that up and he goes and he he also goes on to the point too that that you had kind of made with Sawyer being the one giving people roles uh, because of the hope and everything that he. Uh, he doesn't want people to lose that he Steve's absolutely right. So Sawyer is not Sawyer. Said is kind of the one that takes the leadership role from the start. And it's not until we see it start to progress in, in walkabout that Jack kind of takes over the role, but it's more in white rabbit, which is the next episode that we'll be talking about that. We really see him step up Mm -hmm. into that role. Um, but lastly, to Steve's point, uh, Steve, it's okay that I corrected you on the fact that they weren't all dead. Uh, wow. But uh, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that later, I'm sure of it. Because there are a lot of people uh, who watch that show and still firmly believe, and it's where a lot of their disappointment lies in the show and the way the show ended is that they believe like, oh, these guys told us the whole time they weren't going to be dead the whole time and they were really dead the whole time. Right. No, they weren't. No, they were not. They were not dead the whole time. That's as far into it as I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> but I gave I gave Steve a, a quick recap of that on Facebook, uh, probably a couple weeks ago at this point, as to why they weren't all dead. But we'll go into it in more detail later, later, later down the road. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. But, yeah, but uh, thanks for the voicemail. <clears throat> thanks, Steve. Uh, we have one email from our buddy Des. Hey, Ben and Kristen, great first show. I just wanted to share some, thanks, Des. I just wanted to share some random thoughts about Tabula Rasa and Walkabout. Jack to Kate, it doesn't matter. What? U.S. Marshall says she's dangerous and ends up dying, but it doesn't matter? (laughs) Sawyer, afraid the trees are going to get us? Clearly, he's never seen the Evil Dead movies. Me neither, so that joke didn't land on me. You haven't? (laughs) No. Oh, we need to talk about a new co-host. (laughs) continue (laughs) yeah uh michael picks the one woman on the island who he thinks does not speak any english to watch his kid why is seeing her boobs in the pilot a qualifier (laughs) i'll say it never ever like john locke what (laughs) He was creepy from the get-go. I had a friend in high school who did the stupid orange thing at lunch every day. (laughs) Pissed me off every day. At the end of Tabula Raza, when everyone else is bonding and helping each other out, he closes the episode with that creepy look. Ugh! Don't tell me what I can't do. Worst catchphrase ever. I think that's about it for these two episodes. Don't get caught carrying any logs. Sent from my Dez's phone. (laughs) So glad you kept that in. (laughs) I'm so glad you kept that in. Um, 
never liked okay first off your friend in high school that did the stupid orange thing every day i want to meet him and shake his hand because he's a cool dude everybody did the stupid orange thing that was like that that was like the first joke you ever did as a kid I, yeah because it was one of the first ones that you knew you could do and not get <laughs> yeah, in trouble <laughs> <laughs> and then you hit high school and everything changed i was gonna say maybe not today today there would be something wrong with it i'm sure but you know <laughs> any other time would be fine yeah but uh, you know what it, it um, Dez's email does bring up another really cool thing about that episode that I really enjoyed. And the episode ending with with Locke and his creepy look, um, as Dez calls it, there's also a really touching moment in that with Hurley listening to the, the music. Oh, and, yeah, I agree. And it seems like throughout the run of the first season, until we're introduced to another location at the end of the season, the only time there's ever really music is in a flashback or Hurley listening to the headphones. That's the only time we ever hear music. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I count and music count. There we go. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's very easy to put music in the background during a flashback, but when you're in the current timeline and they're on the island, the only time there's ever really a song playing is from Hurley on the headphones, I believe. Because when else are you going to do it? Oh, you know what? In the van. Well, that's not season one. Okay. I'm, well, I'm, I'm talking like until the hatch is revealed. Because okay. Because in the hatch, there's the, the record. Then there, it won't open. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks, Des. Thanks for the uh, the email feedback as well. And Steve, again, thanks for the, uh, the voicemail. <clears throat> yes. And keep them coming, please. Tell us yeah. your thoughts. Or if you just want to say hi, that's fine, too. Yeah. <laughs> hi. This, I just want to say hi. Hi. <laughs> And that'll be the voicemail that we play. And it'll be awesome. Yes. And it'll be sent from Dez's iPhone. <laughs> my Dez's iPhone. My, my Dez's iPhone. <laughs> sent from my Dez's phone. <laughs> uh, but in regards to feedback, uh, there are a number of different ways that you can contact us, and we encourage you to do so. First off, we're on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash pod. We are on Instagram at lostrevisitedpod. You can email us, lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. Uh, just as Steve did. Yes. So uh, last but not least, we want to be sure to encourage you to check out all the other podcasts that we have, both on the Next Level Podcast Network as well as Podcastica. Um, a lot of great stuff, especially on I, – I know Next Level is mine and you you do stuff with Podcastica, but Podcastica has got a lot of great stuff going on right now. I, I think mean, so. Between the, the, the Fear of the Walking Dead rewatch, which you know just wrapped up with the, the mid-season finale, uh, Westworld is still heavy – going on right now stranger things is is doing lost in space mm -hmm. there's some really cool stuff going on i i will say that the westworld podcast i i can't say enough good things about that podcast but if you're lost on westworld which i am frequently <laughs> um one of one of my friends one of our friends avalino uh he gave me the advice of watching watching the episode, listening to the podcast, and then going back and watching the episode again. And I did that uh, last week. Did it and help? I have to tell you, it helped immensely. <laughs> I was like, I felt like I was on, like, I, I just felt like I was smart again or something. It was crazy. <laughs> so if I could extend the same advice to everybody else, just do it. <laughs> It'll change your world with Westworld. It it's so funny, too, because I'm actually, uh, I'll admit it, I'm actually two episodes behind on Westworld. I'm not current. But I've been seeing people like you and a couple other people post on Facebook about how confused they are right now. And I'm starting to think to myself, I'm like, I know I have to watch these two episodes I'm behind, but I'm like, I'm dreading it. <laughs> because, of how, because of how these past two episodes have left people confused. You know what, though? I don't feel that way anymore at all. Okay. And it's thanks to the podcast. Yes, very much so. Yes. And Avellino. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to do that. Maybe I'll, I'll watch one, uh, watch one, listen to the podcast, rewatch it, watch the next one, listen to the podcast and watch it again, which I can do now during the summer because there's nothing else on, which is, I love this time of year. We're going to watch Deadwood. I'm going to watch Deadwood this summer. Well, yeah, because the movie was just announced. Yeah. So I've never seen it. I'm going to watch it. I'm excited. 
Neither have I, but I have to finish the West Wing because I'm in season five right now. I I cannot believe that you still haven't seen that. All it's one of my favorite shows, all time favorite shows. I'm loving it, and I'm so bummed that Rob Lowe is gone from the show. Although unceremoniously gone. Yeah, like it wasn't even uh, like anything big or anything. It was just he just kind of went away. Yeah, I agree. I know Ridiculous. he comes back for an episode or two in the final season. I, I know that already, but um, there's one other thing about the show, and not to turn this into a West Wing podcast. Um, there's one other thing about the show I'm really dreading because I know it's going to happen, and I heard it's kind of sad. I know, oh. I know that a certain actor passes away during the filming of the final season, and I heard it's it's kind of a sad moment for the show when they address it. Well, you know what? When you get there, I'd love to talk to you about it because they um, the show was significantly rewritten, the direction of the show and everything um, and how they plan to wrap up the series as a whole with the death of that character. Yeah, because I think if I remember correctly, hearing correctly, I think wasn't that character supposed to be like almost in the running to to become president? I will let you know after you see it. All right. And at the rate I'm going, it'll be like another week or two before I'm there because I'm I'm moving through them pretty quick. That good for you. Yeah. So uh, any final words or or last notes before we uh, we move? I actually do. I actually do want to say something. And I the past week, uh, you know, everybody has seen in the news that Anthony Bourdain uh, committed suicide. And um, this it, it rocked me a little bit for some personal reasons. But um, you know, suicide has been a problem for years and years. And I know that we're um, a very small, tiny podcast just getting started. Um, and a lot of you are probably our friends that listen. But I just want to let everybody know that if if you do have feelings that you just are having a hard time, you don't have anybody to talk to, you need somebody to talk to, um, you know, I'm here. And you can write into the podcast, you can send us an email, you can Either do whatever you want. Yeah. And, um, and I can tell you that we will answer you and we care about you. And um, if if that means anything at all, um, I know it's hard to reach out when you're in a dark place. And I know that it feels impossible at times, but it is not hopeless and you are not hopeless and you are worth it. And I just want to leave uh, the podcast with that because um, <laughs> Anthony Bourdain just shouldn't have. No, no. Um, and I'm. I'm kind of glad that you brought this up because we didn't talk about this. This wasn't anything we we had agreed that we were going to do ahead of time. And I'm totally fine with it. And uh, first things first, as a podcaster, as somebody who's been doing celebrity interviews and stuff for a long time, for you know, a good five years now, I've actually spoken to Anthony Bourdain. I haven't interviewed him, but I was uh, going through his people to potentially interview him when he was in town. And I actually got a call from him personally uh, to kind of try and work out the details of it. And unfortunately, scheduling wise, nothing ever worked out. So I didn't get to meet him. But I, I, I have spoken to him and he couldn't have been a nicer guy when I talked to him on the phone. He was very accommodating and somebody who at the time, I mean, I, I was only podcasting for three years. I didn't have the audience that I have now on Next Level. So I was still a small-time podcaster. I'm still a small-time podcaster. And he didn't have to give me the time of day, but he did. And it, it hit me kind of hard, you know, to hear the news about him as well. But even more so, I've been through it. I've been in that dark place. Not to the point where I've thought about suicide. because I've never been suicidal. But I've suffered from depression. I still suffer from depression. I know how it is. I know how hard it can be sometimes to reach out. Um the death of Robin of Robin Williams, again, a suicidal death due to his is more not just depression, but also illness uh, that he was going through at the time literally shook my world. That man, I don't have I don't have personal heroes. He was the only one I ever had. And, you know, so that literally rocked my world and it's still affects me to this day because as somebody that I looked up to so much and loved so much could fall to the demons of depression that I suffered with. What's that say about me? Mm -hmm. You know, so I agree with you completely as somebody who's been through it. If anybody ever has any kind of an issue, you can send us 
an email. And you can send it anonymously. Yeah. You know, but just send something. Um, well, it's, it's kind of difficult or to reach out to somebody. You know what? Reach out to somebody that you trust. Reach out to somebody that you love. Just reach yeah. out. Just know that it's not hopeless. There are people that love you. So I, I and, and that's something that I wanted to just say. Uh, it's been on my heart. It's been on my mind. Um, so, yeah. No, no I'm, I'm glad you did. And I think not to end the podcast on a somber note, but that's a, that's a good point to kind of wrap everything up with. I know. I wanted to start it that way. <laughs> But I got a little distracted. So with no, with fine. lost. Well, and I, you know, um, I was going to tie it in a different way, but we're at the end now, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's a good point to wrap everything up. And we want to thank everybody for listening to our second episode of We Have to Go Back next week, or not next week. Next, I'm still thinking in the weekly podcast format, which I, I do with other ones. Uh, but next episode, which you will hear on July 1st, we'll be talking about White Rabbit, which is season one, episode five, and season one, episode six, House of the Rising Sun. So, which, hey, which we should try and watch them together. We're actually going to see each other in a few weeks. Oh, that's not a bad idea, actually. That would be super fun. That would be a lot of fun. And especially we'll have other people with us, too, who can give us like live feedback. Oh, that would be really fun. I think we should just hit record and just sit there and talk the whole time. Hey, I got a camera that can almost like a commentary. Yeah, we could do something like that. Let's think about it. Let's talk yeah. about it and think yeah, about let's it. Fi- let's figure that out. We got some time. So you let let us know, people that are listening, if that if any of that even sounds remotely okay. <laughs> <laughs> if it sounds remotely okay. Yeah, if, if that sounds super boring and you're not going to listen and or watch, then you know what? We'll just keep this format the way that it is. Well, we could still do it both ways. Like we can record like a live commentary as we watch it and then report, record a podcast afterwards. Yeah, okay. So, so it'll be an option. They'll, they can listen to both or they can it'll listen to It'll be a bonus them. episode. Bonus. Hey, it's a bonus episode. Are you Italian now? <laughs> Hey, I might be. <laughs> hey, I'm just picturing you with your fingers touching. Like they your were. They were up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going off the rails. It's time to go. All right. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. And for the feedback, uh, we greatly appreciate it. And, of course, we look forward to the rest of the feedback you're going to send us. Don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> so long. Bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! <laughs>